The Association for Diplomatic Studies and Training is an independent, nonprofit organization located in Arlington, Virginia. Over the past 30 years, ADST has produced the largest U.S. diplomatic oral history collection, unveiling the horrifying, thought-provoking, and the absurd events that have helped shape foreign policy. ADST.org, American Diplomacy, Warts and All. When we last left off with our oral history of the Jonestown Massacre, Congressman Ryan had just finished meeting with cult leader Jim Jones and had decided that it was time to leave the People's Temple compound. The big dump truck was pulled up uh, and people began to, the concerned relatives who were leaving, began to load their things on it. The mass of People's Temple members stood around quietly and, and watched. Uh, there were some exchanges. Uh, and um, then a man came up with, I think, two children and said he wanted to go to and take the children. A woman followed him screaming, saying, you can't take my children. My children and I stay here. We had the typical, most uh, difficult problem of a counselor officer's life of a, uh, a custody uh, question right there. By this time, I knew that we had a um, uh, a small aircraft coming up, a single-engine aircraft, I think, that carried uh, four people, if I remember correctly. I wanted to get as many out of there as we possibly could. Uh, now, with this couple uh, coming, we told them that uh, you know this was something that uh, would that whether they decided to get. Uh, you know, whether the the man uh, was to leave with the children or the woman was to stay with the children was not something that we could decide. This was a legal question that uh, we had no authority to determine. But um, it looked like, uh, although we didn't have any more people wanting to go, it looked conceivably like we might have some more if we talked to people. Congressman Ryan and I talked about it, and we decided that uh, we would stay. Uh, or, in fact, he decided he would stay, and if he stayed, I stayed overnight again. And that uh, people who were leaving would um, go. And uh, I said I would take all those that were leaving to the airport and then return with the, mm -hmm. with the truck. We had everybody pretty much loaded up on the truck. Anyway, we were all on the truck, and suddenly there were shouts and screams uh, from the pavilion. And I got off the truck and ran back to the pavilion. Uh, a couple of the large young men who were the security force uh, for the People's Temple uh, uh, 
would not let the press or anyone else besides myself, they, they, I guess they took one press guy and let him go by. We arrived at the pavilion to find Congressman my Ryan standing shaken and um, with blood all over the front of his shirt. And uh, another young man being held by uh, members of the People's Temple. Uh, what had happened, apparently, was that this uh, young man had approached Ryan from behind with a, a knife. Uh, he grabbed him, Ryan, by the back and uh, put the knife to his throat and said he was going to kill him. A couple of the People's Temple members and uh, one of the lawyers uh, grabbed the guy and uh, wrestled him to the ground in the process uh, of which uh, his hand was, the young man's hand was cut and uh, he bled all over, uh, which was the blood on, on Ryan's shirt. Ryan said, now this young man has to be put in custody, custody and the police have to be notified. The only real police were at Matthews Ridge, the old mining town, which was a number of, well, I don't know, 30 miles distance, uh, except for the, the guy in the shorts and the shotgun in town. Uh, but he was assured that this would be done and uh, that he would be prosecuted under Guyanese law. Uh, and they would call the police right away. Of course, they had no means of calling the police. Congressman Ryan was shaken, uh, obviously, uh, but uh, still very much in command of himself. And uh, he and I walked aside and uh, said, he said, what do we do now? I said, well, Congressman, I'm not sure what I'm doing, but I want you out of here right now as fast as we can. And uh, he said, will you, will you stay? And, See about the people who want to come back, and I said yes, I would. <laughs> uh, looking back at it, I shuddered to think about it. But in any event, uh, my main concern was getting him out of there. Ryan was standing out by the wingtip. The airplane was facing south. The engines were running. Ryan had started to walk towards the aircraft when a uh, tractor, a farm tractor, uh, pulled onto the field uh, with a, um, uh, um, a cart, a farm cart, uh, with wooden sides going up two or three feet. Tractor pulled onto the field, came then down along the side of the tarmac, and uh, I turned around to look, and as we watched, uh, nine or ten people stood up from the truck and they had uh, various guns, and they had various uh, guns, shotguns, uh, 22s, uh, 30-06, and uh, various other things, as it turned out. Uh, but no automatic weapons, incidentally, yeah. for the record. And they began firing. The congressman was uh, obviously a target. Uh, he and I ran around the front part of the aircraft, the nose of the aircraft, 
the tractor uh, was between the airplane and the bush on the one side of the airport. Mm -hmm. uh, so while some people who are closer to the bush could run off into the woods or into the bush, why uh, those of us at the air airplane in front of it uh, uh, didn't have much uh, of a place to go, and we decided to uh, independently uh, to run across the the tarmac to protection of some uh, houses and trees on on the other side. Uh, at about that stage, the NBC television tape ends uh, with the murder of the cameraman. Uh, it was all filmed up to where the firing began. He was obviously a target. Uh, I got to the other side of the airplane and decided that there was just no way that I could possibly make it across another 75 mm -hmm. yards of open territory and uh, decided I would play dead and uh, as I was about to artistically fall to the ground uh, and indeed I guess I must have been almost on the ground somebody shot me uh, with a 22 long it, uh, they later learned uh, I wasn't badly hurt uh, it entered my left thigh and uh, uh, lodged up near the spine. Uh, still there, I think it was more more dangerous to try to take it out mm -hmm. than, to, than to get it. But anyway, I was on the ground there. Uh, uh, staccato firing continued for what seemed like a long time, but probably couldn't have been off more than a couple of minutes. Uh, I had thought that uh, the reason I didn't want to run across the tarmac or try to any further uh, that we were being that we were in a crossfire that the the big truck which was parked on the other side uh, of the tarmac from uh, or kind of in the middle of it from the tractor uh, I had thought we were being fired on um, from that truck. Uh, later, uh, only one other person thought we were being fired on from that truck, so I don't know whether we were or not, but mm -hmm. I was convinced we were and that I would never make it past mm -hmm. that truck. So I lay on the ground and uh, the firing stopped uh, and I uh, was trying to pretend I was dead couldn't decide whether I looked better dead with my eyes open or closed, mm -hmm. but I finally decided I'd at least like to see the bastards. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then uh, I heard feet on the gravel of the, of the loose stones, the, the dirt of the tarmac, and the shotgun went off. More steps and the shotgun went off again. Um, Ryan was, uh, had obviously been hit more than once, and, uh, and the shotgun continued for five shots, including right next to me, uh, Ryan. And I was waiting for the next shot, and it never came. Uh, to this day, I don't know why, uh, mm -hmm. except I suspect that it was a five-shot shotgun in the last 
shell was used on Ryan. Steps went away, and we laid on the ground. I laid on the ground until finally uh, we heard the vehicles uh, drive away. No conversation that I recalled. Uh, after a few moments, um, uh, we looked around, or I looked around uh, carefully, and uh, there wasn't anybody there. I got up. Uh, a Washington Post reporter uh, who was uh, lying not far from me and who had done the same thing as I had, uh, played doggo, uh, Charles Krauss, got up. Uh, uh, I walked around to, to the congressman. He had been shot, uh, obviously, uh, more than once, uh, probably with a rifle, but the uh, better part of his face had been blown away with a shotgun. Uh, the camera man was dead. The photographer from the First newspapers were dead, was dead. Uh, I, everyone had fled the airplane from into the bush. And uh, when I went into the airplane, uh, Mrs. Parks, Dale Parks' mother, was sitting in a seat near the door with her head blown away by, a, most of her head blown away by a shotgun blast at uh, short range. Uh, it was, uh, her face was still there, but there was nothing behind it. It was incredible. And we had wounded uh, all over the place. Uh, Jackie Spears had been badly hurt. Uh, uh, one of the, a couple of the NBC cameramen had been badly hurt. Uh, uh, my immediate concern was that these people were, could come back and finish the job. Why they didn't finish the job, I, I don't know. Uh, uh, I guess the fact was that they, unfortunately for, fortunately for us, uh, they weren't very good at much of anything. But we carried the wounded over into the, and hid them in the tall grass uh, near his, as much as we could. It wasn't much of a hiding job because you could see the tracks going in there. How about the news crew? I mean, what did they, were they? Uh, it ranged, in absolute shock. Uh, every newsman there had, uh, you know, in addition to the um, uh, video cam, uh, uh, everybody had cameras, and uh, not one of them pulled them out. Uh, several, as I say, that the the cameraman uh, um, was killed. His audio guy had half his arm shot away. Uh, the main NBC, the the uh, I can't think of his name, the uh, the the spokesman, the anchor man for this whole NBC production that had uh, interviewed uh, Jones and what have you. He had obviously been a target. He had been mm -hmm. killed. Uh, Bob uh, Fox, the producer of the show, uh, was just absolutely stunned. And he, uh, uh, 
he had worked with this crew through Vietnam and you know various mm -hmm. war zones and other things and just just absolutely crushed uh, uh, that here in this rinky-dink country in this backwoods mm -hmm. why uh, he had lost a major part of his crew he stayed with the wounded all night and refused to leave he gave them water took care of them held their hands uh, took down uh, what we thought were their last words and etc the rest of the news crew it took <laughs> 45 minutes and they were back to normal there mm -hmm. a number of them were anyway and uh, so they then began to, you know writing their notes and comparing stories this podcast has been brought to you by ADST Stay tuned for the next episode when we discuss the infamous White Knight ceremony. For more, check out our website at adst.org. ADST, American Diplomacy, Warts and All.